Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Saturday night fight is five lights away. And Formula One goes racing on the streets of Las Vegas with Charles Leclerc cutting across Max Verstappen, who is on the dirty side. The top two go off the road. Do they open the door for George Russell? Massive spin in the middle of the pack as well. Are we about to resume the battle between Leclerc and Verstappen? The three race leaders in your picture at the moment, but is it a change of position between the two Red Bulls as we go over the bumps? And it's Max Verstappen who takes second place in the race. This is the last real corner on the racetrack. It's flat to the floor by the time that you get out of 14, 15 and 16. Charles Leclerc's going for it to the inside. Has he got the car slowed down? What a move, Charles Leclerc. Absolutely brilliant. At the last real chance that he had to make the pass. Checo tries to fight back. What a performance from the top three. Max Verstappen puts his name up in lights once again. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. The off-season continues, but there's still motorsport in America. Highlights to kick us off, courtesy of F1 TV. This is the entity that, uh, unfortunately, most of us in America don't see. Maybe we should go to the trouble to see it because our man James Hinchcliffe is on there, and he's very, very good. That's the streaming option worldwide for Formula One from... Las Vegas this past weekend. Thanks for joining us. Trackside 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis. Elijah Robertson is in our studios downtown. I'm Kevin Lee, along with Kurt Cavan. We have much to talk about in IndyCar tonight. I have uh, done written some things down about where things stand for the Indianapolis 500. And as we like to say, it got late early. There are not many seats that I think are left and remaining. So I'll throw out some names that I think in contention for them and the uh, seats that are likely to be open with some question marks beyond 33 for a lot of different variables. Uh, A lot of stuff going on as well in news. We'll get to some of your questions at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan via X or Twitter. And we'll kick things off, Kurt, with uh, a reminder that social media has done a nice job of today. And it sounds like from some anecdotal um, research from people buying tickets that it's going well. Milwaukee Mile tickets went on sale today and some other venues. They either have just gone on sale or went on sale uh, for the last week for the IndyCar events next year. So we encourage everyone to join us. Yeah, it's good. It's it's a good time of the year, and if you're selling tickets, first of all, good to be with you. I've not seen or heard your voice here in about a week, which I don't go many days in a calendar year without doing one or the other. <laughs> there might be a an occasional Wednesday or Thursday that we go silent, either through broadcasting or or uh, doing our radio show. But anyway, it's been a while, and good to catch up. And I'm sure there are a lot of things we need to get to tonight. Um. But yeah, it's you know it's the holiday time of the buying season. So if you're a you're a track that is trying to make uh, some you know holiday gift giving easier for for people, then 
you know, what a great time to put your tickets on sale. And so uh, yep. if you want to buy your four tickets to Milwaukee or eight tickets or shoot, bring the whole neighborhood, uh, we can we can certainly accommodate that. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We don't talk a lot about this, but, you know, Indianapolis Motor Speedway does a lot of the the ticket selling and processing for a lot of these venues uh, that IndyCar races at Detroit and Iowa in the past and and so you know they're, they're, it's a busy time of the year at the old speedway and and people often ask well what do you do during the off season well <laughs> we start selling tickets and so you know you can get your tickets for a lot of events just by going through that uh through that portal and for those that would like to see more ovals well then milwaukee needs to go well iowa needs to continue to go well uh worldwide technology raceway gateway outside st louis needs to continue to go well if there are 14,000 people at these events next year, there will maybe it, it survives another year, but there will not be more ovals. So, you know, I know we all can't, uh, our, our ticket is not necessarily going to make the difference, but if you've been on the fence and you're adamant that this should work, then we're going to need to support that. So yep. that, that's what that is. Um, oh, I should also remind everyone, I think we have a schedule for next week. I believe we're on Tuesday next week, and I believe we're a full two hours from seven until nine. So make a note of that. And I'm hoping that's the case. And the reason that I checked is because you need to come in studio. So this is your your note. Uh, Linus Lundquist is going to join us in studio at seven o'clock. New Chip Ganassi racing driver, uh, one of the rookies next year. So that is live next Tuesday night. At seven o'clock ish, we'll be there at seven o'clock, and Linus will join us at seven o'clock ish in studio next week. I saw he went to the Notre Dame game last weekend, so he's a he's a full fledged American now. You know, we talk about you know people often ask us our insight on on drivers and and uh, you know not what they're like off the racetrack, and 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 I think we've talked a little about this, but Linus is one of the guys that I've really come to like. Uh, he is, he's got a great personality. He's got a great story in, in his pursuit of an IndyCar series ride. And we've talked about that and the fan base kind of knows that sitting out most of 2023 in order to get really as a dream job. But I think he's going to be really successful. Uh, he's a good personality. He'll, he'll play the company line that he, you know, he won't step over it largely, but he'll give you something in an interview. He'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his feelings and and he'll say it you know in a, with a laugh and kind of a smile on his face. He's he's got a great personality and I've enjoyed uh, chatting with him. I often, as you do, will often be in situations with drivers where you'll say, "Look, I, I kind of need to understand here, so I don't report something that's incorrect, or I don't say something that hurts your plans for for next year." Linus has just been been very accommodating. Uh, you know, with those of us that cover the sport and he's somebody you can kind of get behind it. And just because he's been accommodating doesn't mean, you know, he's deserving of, of the support, but he's a good guy. And, and I think uh, as, as the fan base really gets to know him, I think they'll like him uh, as I have. He's also really, really good. And if you like to root for those that had to have things go the right way to make it, He's one of those. And every year, him, every year. <laughs> yes. We will let him detail the story of how he is one of those that you know, there, there's always some money involved. And I don't know how much, 
but it wasn't nearly as much as a lot of others have that make it. And a family-run team uh, back in the day in Europe. So we'll we'll get into all that coming up next week. We're going to open up with, and I know it's an IndyCar show, but it's motorsport in America, and it's all applicable. And one thing I would say to begin with, because it, there did seem to be, I think, a lot of people rooting for this event to fail ahead of time comparing it to fire festival and oh it's just going to be a train wreck because it's it's challenging every street race every new street race is massively challenging a huge undertaking and you add it into this type of venue there were bound to be some hiccups along the way and I've admitted it before that I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but there definitely is some envy from someone who operates in the IndyCar world, seeing the way Formula One has taken a hold of America. And I think a lot of the other journalists, the people that I'm more likely to see their social media responses from in the NASCAR, in the IndyCar world, I got and and fans too. Uh, the fans that I follow, because I'm not following a lot of Formula One fans, I got the sense that a lot of people. We're hoping for a disaster. And then when the track failed on Thursday, it was, well, this is the end. We told you this wasn't going to work. And I will start with this. I would contend with, all right, maybe you can say Formula One is a direct competitor to IndyCar and they are taking away business. But if that event had miserably failed and went terribly wrong, I think that hurts all of motorsport. And I think it hurts IndyCar a lot more than it does NASCAR because to the casual fan, to the casual potential sponsor partner, for good, we hope, and certainly for bad, that would be held against IndyCar. As I'm not interested in doing something, and this could be an event promoter getting another city on board. If you want to do a street race in the future, if that event fails, it hurts IndyCar. So that's where I'll start. No, I think I think that's right. And I think there are two elements to the envy that you des described. And I think the first is, um, you know, this isn't just the first Formula One race in the United States in 2023. This is the third. And, you know, there's a little bit of, OK, does there need to be three from from a from an IndyCar fan standpoint? You know what I mean? As they grow in this country. And you've heard the you, you watch the enthusiasm in in Austin, Texas. OK, that's one thing. And then there was this big blowout in Miami. There's two. And now Vegas. And you're like, come on. I mean, it's to an IndyCar fan. And I feel this to some degree. It feels a little bit like like piling on like, OK, which other market you're going to go? You're going to go and in one of our other good good parts of the country as well. So there, you guys I think already a, tried to take Long Beach and luckily you couldn't get it. <laughs> so so there's a little bit of that that I think I think ruffles the IndyCar fan. I, and I think the second thing, and this is maybe more kind of a global statement, not global geographic, but global across the platforms, is that you know they announced this thing two years ago and it's been on the hype patrol for two years. You know, we've been thinking, oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be Vegas. It's going to be Justin Bieber. It's going to be Rihanna. It's going to be, you know, all these Formula Ones, you know, uh, newbies uh, joining the parade. And you're like, we've heard this for two years. Now, having said all that, I'm with you. If if this doesn't go well 
and I, and then I'm a I'm a city that would like to attract a downtown event. Maybe I'm not going to be Vegas, and I'm probably not going to get Formula One, but I could have an IndyCar race. And I, I forget that IndyCar raced in Denver years ago, but let's just say Denver was one of those kind of cities, and they're looking at this like nobody came. It was, you know, the streets were the taxpayers and all those things that that go into this. If that didn't go well, Denver officials and I'm just making them as as an example here. You know, they're like, "Eh, why bother? But if it goes well and and look, I I looked at their Thursday night issue with the with the part of the the street circuit came up and damaged the, the car and. Look, that those things happen every time you go, almost every time you go to a street circuit for the first time. There's a manhole cover. There's you got to move the fence back or move it in or or what have you. There's an adjustment to the circuit. The first time you do it, almost every time. And look, IndyCar, even when it goes to street circuits, it's been to in the past, there are subtle adjustments that are made. You know, when when St. Pete was had, had adjustments from the city standpoint. So these things happen. I wasn't too worried about that. What I was more worried about is what if they got the normal kind of weather in in Las Vegas in late November, mid to late November? Because it could be pretty chilly at night in the desert. And, you know, if it's just a, from a fan standpoint, if they just don't want to come out there be, and they, they don't start the race till 10 o'clock. And I can't believe they got away with their Thursday night second practice that happened at two thirty in the morning. Drivers, you know, fatigue and and no fans in the stands because security had to be released. I mean, they're thir- they were they were kind of messing with with a potential bad situation on Thursday or into Friday morning when they were trying to stage that second practice so so long past the stated hours. But I think generally. Uh, everything I can tell looked like it went well. The racing was interesting. I think the racetrack was better than than anyone had anticipated. And I'm happy for those people. The, the, one of the Bill Vandezant, for example, has worked a lot of IndyCar races over the years for the IndyCar series for Ray Hall Letterman uh, back in the day. Team Ray Hall, uh, one of the real stalwarts of of IndyCar racing, has been the operations director for the Las Vegas race. And he probably had three or four weeks of sleepless nights, but they pulled it off. And I'd say I'm, two months. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to uh, guess that's been a thrash for Bill. So I, yeah, I was thinking about him. Well, I'm really happy for him that it went off well. And I, I have no idea if the drain cover is his department or not, but he's a part of the big plan. So I was, I was concerned for him. Yeah. But by the way, that kind of stuff happens all the time. On it really races. does. But it usually only impacts the USF 2000 practice. That's the difference, is that there was only one event. Now, the USF 2000 cars or F3 or whatever you have might not have had enough downforce to pull that off. So it might not have become apparent until you got to Formula One. But whatever it is, we've had circuit issues before. We had them at Baltimore when the track wasn't built way back in the day. We... Uh, I remember this year, was that Long Beach where a curb was changed or something before the practice and somebody crashed? Was it with Dale Coyne's team? Same kind of thing. And it's, wait a minute. And I don't remember all the semantics and the the, the tales, whether everyone was notified or if someone just the memo or what. But there was a question of, hey, that wasn't our fault. Somebody needs to reimburse us 
for the car being crashed. And I believe two cars crashed in, in a matter of moments. And then we went back and found, ooh, this is a little bit different than it was yesterday. Uh, so these things happen. I don't see the gloom and doom of that. It's it's not good. And if I'm Ferrari, I'm not happy either. And maybe behind the scenes, I'm looking to Formula One to help. Although keep in mind, Ferrari receives, don't they, a much larger share than any other team? Yes. They're already getting more money than than everyone else. But I get it. I get why they're upset about that. But Toto Wolf was in his blunt way correct. Nobody cares about free practice one. It's about the race. And if this event is good, everyone's going to forget about it. And the event, okay, yes, I'm sure that there are still detractors from some locals that some of some of the businesses, I'm sure it did impact them. So hopefully they figure out a way to share the wealth because I think a lot of the upper scale establishments did significantly well. This is their demographic and the event from everything I've told, and I've spoken to several people that were at the event, some working it, some not working it. It went really well. And the race was good. Yeah, the race, the race really surprised me. I expected, you know, there's so many of these street circuits, and and I'm not lumping in IndyCar ones when I say this. I just mean street circuits in general have these slow sections that really from my standpoint, kind of bogged down the race. I didn't, I didn't have that sense with this racetrack. I, I think it felt fast. Uh, yeah. The, the entrance, if you didn't watch the race, uh, there's a spot where they come back onto Las Vegas Boulevard and that corner where Lando Norris, that is where Lando Norris crashed. I don't know that that's the best corner in motor motorsports, uh, even for a street circuit, but I think, Across the board, it's a pretty interesting racetrack. It's fast enough. I think there will be more grip in the future, which will allow better racing. But ultimately, could you argue that very few racetracks, very few Formula One events, for that matter, have ever looked so good on television? Uh, from the yeah. fireworks to the lights that that naturally are there from, from a Vegas standpoint to the sphere, uh, to all the different elements that they have, the lighting on the track, you know, did you see some of the aerial shots taken from from airplanes to see the outline of the racetrack? You know, you couldn't hardly make out, you know, some of the hotels and the lights, but you could see the racetrack. I just thought visually it was uh, a, an excellent presentation. You know, back to leading into it, why, and maybe it's just my perception, maybe this is not accurate, but I got the sense that there were a lot of people hoping for it to fail. And maybe the other word I would use is the annoyance of bandwagon fans, that the people that I see their commentary on social media are more likely to be hardcore motorsport fans, whether they be F1, IndyCar, and the ones that get reposted. Um, and the, no matter the sport, there is always an annoyance when things start going well and you know, I've been a Cub fan all my life, and all of a sudden in 2016, everyone's a Cub fan. Uh, you know, I think the general idea would be, hey, the more the merrier. But there are some people that get annoyed with that. Is that I and you should have had to suffer, not like Formula One fans were suffering, but you get what I'm saying. They just they they, I think they are annoyed with the drive to survive crowd, the hardcore Formula One group 
is annoyed by that crowd that doesn't understand the nuances of the sport the way that they do. So there's something to that. But it, I think, went really, really well. And then swinging it back to IndyCar. So I know there's been some hope that Formula, and a thought, too, that Formula One has peaked. And I think maybe from a television perspective, maybe it has peaked. And it started to go down a little bit. But the success of this event, I think, is massive in that at least Formula One is going to be a player for several more years. It is not going away anytime soon. This was a big weekend for Formula One in America. So what we, and when I say we, I mean they, the people that have the decision-making power, more you, the group that you work for, Penske Entertainment, they, we, however you want to phrase it, need to figure out a way to continue to make this an advantage. Use the success of formula car racing in America and the popularity to your advantage. Now, having a better price point, being similar. I don't know what that is. I'm not smart enough because there, there is, I think, um, differing opinions within your office is to do we embrace this? And I see this on social media, too, that some, including drivers, don't understand why when a Pato Award or Alex Pillow does a free practice one, why is that not shouted from the rooftops from IndyCar Social? Um, I can see that argument both ways because we have had a significant number of the IndyCar fans get very annoyed when one of their drivers talks about how great Formula One is. And when they openly say, yeah, if someone offered me a Formula One drive, I'm going to take it. Many want them to say, no, 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 I'm an IndyCar driver. I have no interest in Formula One. Well, why don't we, we I think we understand what a sports car driver yeah. like Tom Blomquist. Um, and, and I don't see the hatred from sports car fans towards those drivers or IndyCar. They understand it pays a little bit more. And we all are looking for the best job available. And in their case, they want the best job, the fastest car. IndyCar is faster a little bit than, than an IMSA prototype car, just like a Formula One car from zero to 200 is a little bit faster than an IndyCar. So it's a roundabout way saying, I, I understand why they are reluctant to fully embrace it, but that is the challenge. Let's figure out how we can use this to our advantage. Maybe it's just going to all these companies and just saying, you just spent $20 million to activate that weekend. How'd you like to spend 400000 and still do something very significant, very meaningful? Well, I was struck by, there's a lot in what you just said. There, I was struck by the fact that I think it was Mercedes was reported to have spent $15 million on a hospitality spread for this for this race only. It doesn't go to any other race. Fifteen million. I mean, that would buy you <laughs> the best IndyCar team in the series. Um, yeah. So you know, there's a lot to to what you just described. It's interesting. You know, there's a lot of celebrating of when IndyCar drivers go um, participate in the Rolex Twenty Four, and there's not that's that's seen as our drivers are diverse and our drivers can 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 entertain us on someone else's platform and and yet we don't do the same thing when when Pato or or uh, Alex Polo go 
goes and does part of the F1 weekend. So there, you know, it's an interesting, and I think it's just, it's just an envy thing that we all feel we, we all do everyone listening to this show, driving around Indianapolis tonight or listening across the country is an IndyCar fan and would like to see IndyCar be in the position that, that formula one is first of all, they had, you know, they just have more money in the ecosystem. So let's just, and they have more countries and it's more of a global thing. So there's just more, there's more natural momentum, but when they're playing on our soil three times during the year, you know, that's where it gets to be a little bit of a, an issue or a rub for some of us. The one group that I think will not benefit as much from this probably will, will still benefit from, from Las Vegas's success, but may have trouble drawing the superstardom uh, that we saw in Vegas. And that's Miami. Uh, I don't know how Miami, if you have a choice and you're, you know, Justin Bieber or Rihanna or the level of, of superstars. I think I want to be in Vegas. If I'm going to go to an F1 weekend and I'm going to, you know, be on television globally, I think I'm going to do it at, at Las Vegas, uh, more so than, than say Miami or maybe even circuit of the Americas, but circuit of the Americas is pretty established with its fan base and will continue to draw. Well, the Miami one might suffer uh, a little bit, um, the only other issue that I had with the weekend really is the 10 o'clock start local time. You know, that's one o'clock in the East. I would have stayed up for a 10 o'clock green flag. I can't stay up for a one o'clock. And so I'm, I couldn't watch it live. Now you and I both watch most of our sporting events on a delayed basis, even if it's 20 minutes or an hour and stay off social media. But sometimes you just want to watch something live. And and I couldn't, I couldn't reasonably do that with with the regular seat sleep pattern and i kind of asked that rhetorical question last week and didn't really get into it but from what i understand the reason that it started so late is because they needed to have the streets open as yeah. much as possible during the day and i think that goes back to why people were kicked out before the 2 a.m practice is that they needed to start building the streets back up at 4 a.m that's when practice was going to end we don't have time to to have people leaving the facility we need everybody out now and then you mentioned also people working overtime as far as security so just a lot of things going in there in in the perfect storm what's it's not just us um it's it's more the people there to, to me it didn't matter because this race to me was no different than the 7 a.m races um you know i'll watch the 9 a.m races live but the 7 a.m races i watch things on my time and I've gotten pretty good about staying off social media, and I still follow along. I just make sure I don't catch up too far ahead, but I follow along with the people that are live tweeting as I'm watching it whenever I'm watching it. Um, but the people on location said, this needs to move back. Uh, it's just too difficult, and I get it. And I suspect that can be doable. The first year is the hardest. So they had to make a lot of promises to the people that had to approve everything and make it as little inconvenience as possible. So that was a concession. What they will likely be able to do in year two is now they know how to put it together. And I'm guessing they're going to be able to put it together a little bit quicker and tear it down a little bit quicker. So that helps a little bit and maybe even on a daily basis. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get it done at 8 p.m. And then all of a sudden you're talking about an 11 p.m. Eastern start time. And I think more people will watch it live. And that's prime time 
on the West Coast. Not ideal for Europe. They'd be doing what I would be doing, and I don't know how that would go over. Do they have any races that run in the middle of the night in Europe? Because 11 p.m. Eastern would be, what, 5 a.m.? In Europe, 4 a.m., I'm not sure yeah. if the time changes. So that that may not be ideal, but it's the Formula One crowd, the the people in the paddock that are asking for it to start two hours earlier, uh, and we're talking team principals. So that might be doable. And I wouldn't also be shocked that they uh, do add some sort of a support race because that was one complaint that I had from some people there. There's just not enough activity on the track. So maybe you add in... It's probably smart not to do it in year one. Let's concentrate on the main events because there's probably going to be problems and we don't want to have to deal with trying to find time for F3 or Porsche Super Cup. Well, maybe in year two, we have a little better idea how it's going to work. We go and add in one more event and that's another aspect to it. But um, it, it went really, really well. Yeah, it was an interesting race. It had strategy. You know, you had it was really nice that Verstappen kind of mouthed off about the event and then <laughs> and then sort of got he did get penalized, but literally, literally and figuratively penalized, got stuck kind of deep in the pack, had to work his way back to the front. That was impressive. Again, the racetrack had had mostly fast corners, so there were a lot of good places to, to kind of stretch the legs of the race car, sometimes race cars on a street circuit don't look as fast as they are. And this one certainly did. And yet there were passing zones. So uh, there was the only thing that I thought was odd. And and this is for another day and for another maybe audience, but pit road sure seemed tight compared to other. It looked like really trouble waiting to happen. I'm sure it met the standard. It just looked awful narrow and looked closer than, you know, cars to crew members even more so than than they are in Formula One. I know they're not going great speeds, but there's still contact between cars as one pits where the other is exiting. So I thought that was a little bit of a concern. And it's nice, um, and I hadn't thought that going into the event, but it's nice that the actual infrastructure of Formula One, there where the pit lane was, that race area belongs to them. They've bought that area, so that can stay. The rest of the track can kind of come apart, but but they actually can maintain a footprint for the future with some permanent facilities. So that's that's good. And, and a lot of people said, "Oh, this is going to be a one and done." No, it wasn't going to be a one and done. It would have had to be a massive disaster for it to be one and done because that's a permanent facility, and they have some plans there. I don't, you know, I don't. I think maybe a go kart facility. I think maybe headquarters for some junior development programs. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised for them to try to uh, take over a little bit or at least become major competitors in America uh, as far as junior open wheel programs are concerned. Uh, and, you know, and they have three Formula One events to be able to float towards that to, to subsidize those things. So I think that's going to be fascinating. So Ken Anderson asked this question. Uh, said in the world of make believe and considering that F1 is coming off a reasonably successful weekend in Vegas, is there any chance IndyCar would run in Vegas within the 10 year F1 contract window? Short answer is no. We could probably expand on that because that is Formula One owned. Formula One doesn't have any interest in IndyCar being there. Longer answer would be well, if you want to pay them enough money, 
they might consider that because the infrastructure is there, but you'd have to make them really want to do it. But then shutting down the streets again, no, it's, it's one not. thing to shut them down for a worldwide. That's why Vegas was on board with this. It is a worldwide, I don't know what the number of people watching a Formula One race is, but it is many, 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 many times more than an IndyCar event. This is advertising. And Las Vegas is a worldwide destination. So that is how they got Vegas on board. This is marketing for Vegas. I would Unfortunately, s- IndyCar doesn't do that. I'd like to see the global numbers compared to Miami and and Circuit of the Americas because I I bet this just blew it away from because it's got cachet among non-race fans. Yep. Or casual. Yeah, because some people like to watch train wrecks and they thought it might be because street races often are difficult. You know, and you have like we've seen in IndyCar street racing sometimes. You have a lot of crashes. And people like to see sometimes, some people like to see a a lot of crashes. So unfortunately, I do not see any path there while Formula One is there. If it were to go away down the road, maybe because something is built there, but highly unlikely. If it fails, it fails for a reason because people have lost interest. They're not likely going to be interested in coming and doing something with IndyCar because even though IndyCar is less expensive than Formula One, it's still really expensive to do a street race. You got to have people on board. And you're not going to, you know, save that prime real estate for an IndyCar race. That prime real estate will go to the next hotel, the next sphere, the next sure. whatever. So, yeah, true. All right. Coming up in a moment, we'll get to some more news of the week. There are some things going on. I'm going to save that for the top of next hour. Uh, Let's talk Indy 500, where things stand. Let's do that next on Trackside. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Scott Dixon, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last segment. Did I? That we have a guest coming up later on, boots on the ground at the Formula One event. Jeff Gluck from The Athletic uh, covers NASCAR, but also pays great attention to IndyCar. The Athletic covers Formula One as well. So I, I really wanted to get a perspective of someone that was there and jeff is going to provide that for us and i I feel bad that and i thought about this this morning when i was kind of kicking around i thought well maybe i'll have hinch on he was there he was working but he was working a lot so i don't know that he is going to have the best perspective of the typical fan because i saw what jeff was posting on social media he's just kind of walking around and shooting videos 
And also, I'm not sure if Hinch knows what day it is yet because it's been a different time schedule. So I gave him the day off. But we've never had Jeff on the show, I don't think. And that's my fault because I really like Jeff's work and I'm impressed what he's done in his space as the media uh, business gets more difficult. And Jeff has reinvented himself a couple of times. And I, I gather it's going pretty well for him. So I'm happy for him and I like him. Well, I, he has been on the show, actually. There was has at he, least was at I least there? <laughs> no, at least one show where you weren't available. And, and Jeff and I got together and did a segment. But uh, he's good people. And, you know, he's immersed enough in in motorsports. I mean, that goes without saying, I suppose, to some degree. But he's always had a unique, unique perspective of not being like a gearhead. Like motorsports is, and I think we're... We're not in that category. You know, we grew up in stick and ball sports, but so many of the motorsports reporters have been lifers. You know, they have only really enjoyed and worked in motorsports, and that's been their sport of consumption. That's fine. But I think, you know, I think I bring and you bring and Jeff brings we come from other sports. Yeah. Exactly. And, and we can look at things from, from maybe a fan's perspective uh, or, you know, a broader, a broader swath than, than just, uh, you know, the ins and outs of the engine, so to speak. Uh, Let's talk Indy 500. So we've talked for the last few weeks, things are pretty close as far as where 2024 is for the full season. We still have some question marks as to who's going to be in the seats but I think we know where it stands for car count. There is still the possibility with Andretti dropping to three cars that maybe Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, or Dale Coyne or someone else. We mentioned Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan because they have publicly said we'd be open to putting Yuri Vips in a fourth car for a few races. Uh, but they're going to need to get Honda on board with that. And they're going to need to, to make sure that they can pay for that. Uh, I would be shocked if that becomes a full-time program. My guess is at best it's a few races. And if I had to lean one way or the other, uh, I, my guess is Honda doesn't really want to supply another engine. They were going to do it for Andretti and for Ganassi. So it's going to depend on who the driver is and what it is. So we're probably at 27 for most of the races. We just don't know who the two Dale Coyne drivers are and 100% who the two A.J. Foyt drivers are. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that in this one because I wanted to talk about the Indy 500 and where things stand because I, I did this maybe a couple of months ago, and when I started putting things down, it was, wow, there are not many seats available at this point. So let's go from there are 27 already set of 33 with those full-time seats, we do not know who all the drivers are. And then you add in the other seats that are, and, and by the way, we think those full-time seats are probably going to go to some combination of Benjamin Peterson, Stingray Rob, Devlin DeFrancesco, Santino Ferrucci, name your one or two F2 drivers. I think that's and, the list. You're right. I think yeah. that's the, the four that are essentially left are going to come from that group. And honestly, it, it might, might be, be a while. <laughs> it might be it. 
the only other one I would add in there, and you said name your F F two driver is Enzo Fittipaldi, who has tested recently. That might be the one name from the group that people would know on a on a pretty mm-hmm. pretty easy path. So then you get to the extra entries that have already been announced for the five hundred, and, and and what's most important is engines. So you got twelve for Chevy. 15 for Honda. So we're looking at it from that way. We're immediately up to 14 for Chevy with a third for Ed Carpenter Racing. In this case, whether you count it as Ed or Christian Rasmussen, that's a third car. And Kyle Larson in an Arrow McLaren. For Honda, already Elio Castroneves is confirmed for Meyer Shank Racing. They're 16. It's not been confirmed, but Marco Andretti has said he wants to do it, and I'd be shocked if they tell him you cannot do it. So I am in pencil writing down Marco Andretti in a fourth Andretti. That's already 17 for Honda. They might be out. They kind of feel like our responsibility is to fill half the field. And in this case, we're going one more than half. I don't think they're necessarily out, but they might be. So already we're in trouble for extra opportunities. Extra Hondas that could become available. I could see Andretti in the right situation, running a fifth. They've always done four full-time and a fifth. So right circumstance, I could see them doing that. Ray Hall, again, they could run a fourth. It could be for Yuri Vips. It could be for Catherine Legg like last year. Uh, I wouldn't count out a Ryan Hunter Ray or Connor Daly in an extra uh, Ray Hall car. I'd probably actually put that offer going to them before it does Yuri Vips to have some experience in the car. I wouldn't count out a third Dale coin racing car if they are allocated an engine, but Honda's general path in the past has been, it needs to be someone that we think brings some attention to Honda and is for the greater good. So, you know, maybe they're at 18, maybe they're at 19. I think if Andretti wanted to do a fifth, they do that for them. Maybe they get to 19 for Ray Hall. Uh, I don't see all three of those happening. They're not going to run a fifth for Andretti, a fourth for Ray Hall, and a third for Dale Coyne Racing. Two of the three is best-case scenario there. On the Chevy side, Dreyer and Reinbold, I believe, has two engine leases. So there's two more for them. Right there, you're up to 16 for them. So they're getting close to halfway. So that could be Ryan Hunter A ran for them last year. Connor Daly has already done some work with them. Stefan Wilson, maybe some other surprises. Abel Motorsports ran a Chevy last year, and they apparently have some option with probably a deadline to run a second and could Foyt run a third car. So add all these up, what we were at, we were at 31 that I feel are pretty set with the ones that have been announced plus Marco. I think Dreyer and Reinbold agree is running two. I think so. There's, There's 33. There's 33 right there. So your extras could be a 34th for Abel. All of these programs, I think, could find the budget to do it, and I think could find drivers with budget they find acceptable. Abel is 34. Foyt's third is 35. A fifth Andretti is 36. A fourth Ray Hall is 37. A third coin is 38. There won't be 38. No, of course there won't be, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's kind of why that number was thrown out there, say August of 2022. And it was about, 
what, probably like October that you and I and others said, you know what? Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think we're going to get to 38, even if there are enough drivers and enough budget, because I don't think the engine manufacturers have enough motivation to go beyond, say, 34, 35, because it's just a losing money proposition if you go through all this trouble and the the car does not make the race. So you said, and I agree with you, that two extras from Honda um, is best case scenario and coming from a combination of Andretti, Ray Hall, and Coin. I think one is a more likely answer from that pairing rather than two. The other thing that strikes me, and you listed pretty much the field of players and that very astutely, it's getting late early. I don't hear an Indy 500 winner's name in there in Simon Pagino. I don't hear Pagino's name in your list. And I think he could end up in one of these rides very easily. It's just right now I don't hear it you know, with any kind of confidence. No, he's written down really high on my list. So here's my list of drivers. No, no, no. But- I, I know he's, a, but I don't see, a, let's put it this way. I don't see a high probability path. that yeah. that's his path. So Simon is not, and, and first of all, we want the best for Simon. We want what Simon wants, and we don't know what he wants. We don't know what he is physically capable of doing i don't know if he's been cleared yet i did see him post something just kind of random on social media i was happy to see that we haven't seen a lot of activity activity uh on social media from him so i hope he's fully healthy and is cleared and maybe he's decided he's had enough maybe he's decided no i went back in i just wanted the right situation it's probably unless he's fully cleared now and is ready to go after it, you know, maybe he does does surprise us and ends up in one of those Dale coin seats. But the other challenge for Simon is going to be, it has been a long time, and I don't know if ever. I don't know that he ever brought budget since he's been in IndyCar. I'm sure he was in junior formula, but, you know, he went to the sports car path and became a favored HPD driver, and I think... Help me. What am I forgetting? But I think he's always been hired since he came to IndyCar, right? No, that that's right. I, but, you know, somebody running an Indy 500 program, I'd be dialing Simon Pagino's cell phone. In theory, yes. In but theory. they have to have someone paying for it. Uh, Agreed. And, and even those that have their own sponsorship like to have accomplished drivers that bring a little bit of budget with them. So... You have to look at the seats that are available that are going to be hiring. Ryan Hunter Ray's already got one of those seats somewhere. I don't know where, but Ryan is going to have one of those, either at Dryer and Reinbold or at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan. Someone's going to hire Ryan. So those are two possibilities. Those are teams that I think could, would hire. I think Andretti could hire but they have generally asked for budget, even with talented drivers for a fifth car. Now, Simon might have someone working behind the scenes and saying, we're going to put a program together with a driver that has a chance to win the Indianapolis 500. So that could be done. 
Those are all scenarios where that could happen. Uh, my, my drivers I have listed are, because they're not confirmed yet, not necessarily in any particular order, but maybe. Hunter Ray, Connor Daly, Takuma Sato yeah. is available. Yeah. Two-time Indianapolis 500 winner Takuma Sato is available. Has, I believe, partners. Where could he end up? Andretti. Let's look at the places he's driven. Andretti, Ray Hall, Coin. I'm not certain that his money is tied to Honda at Foyt, this point. Foyt as well. And Foyt. Well, that's I was saying Honda first. So then we go to the Chevy teams. I would not rule out Chevy teams for Takuma Sato. So that puts Foyt and maybe Dreyer and Reinbold. I think he's a Honda. There. I think he's a Honda guy, though. I think he he sticks in the Honda program. What if all the Honda teams say, "Sorry, we've got no room at the end," and if that's your only chance? Yeah, um, I agree. There, I there agree. have been other Honda drivers in the past that were Honda drivers, and when the opportunity came that was better to drive for a Chevy team, it was, "Sorry, I'm going to drive for Chevy," um, because if Coin can't get a third engine, and they're more likely to get it for Sato. If Ray Hall can't, if all those things don't happen. Yeah. So that that is something to keep in mind there. Um, we've gone way over. So we're going to continue this conversation <laughs> after we tease what's coming up in hour number two. And we'll get to some of the other news all coming up. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Ed Carpenter, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, I lied. I was going to finish up uh, and save for the next hour, finishing up Indy 500 conversation, but let's just do it here uh, while it's still fresh in our mind, and we have other things we want to get to in in hour number two, even if we bleed over into past the top of the hour in this segment, if you know what I mean. So, Kurt, I was talking about here's the list of names that I think, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, that are very much in play for Indy 500 seats or certainly could and should be. There's, of course, the full season options. And if any one of these does not end up in a seat full time, add them to the list. So that's the Benjamin Petersons, Stingray Robs, Devlin DeFrancesco's, Santino Ferrucci, maybe Enzo Fittipaldi that you mentioned, maybe another F2 type of guy. Then the, the drivers we've talked about uh, that were in the race last year, like Hunter Ray. Connor Daly, Takuma Sato, Stefan Wilson, I think still has budget and is efforting to make his comeback. And I think things are going well from a health standpoint for him. Simon Pagano, who we talked about, that if he wants to do it, should be very high on everyone's lists. 
Catherine Legg, I'm going to guess, would like to have another go at it in the right circumstances. R.C. Enerson was in the Able car last year. I'm sure he wants to run again. Jack Harvey is still one of those names that I probably should have included that you never know might end up in a full-time situation, but Jack might be able to put something together for the 500. We haven't mentioned Callum Eilat. Probably should have put him back in there. I don't think it's super likely for Callum because I think budget is required for those seats. Unless one driver brings an inordinate amount of budget to help cover for the second driver. That's how sometimes that gets subsidized. So I wouldn't totally rule out Callum full-time, but it's going to be challenging. Maybe he put something together for the 500. I don't know that that'd be super high on his list. Um, My guess is if Callum doesn't end up racing full-time in IndyCar, he will have offers to run a sports car and get paid to do it full-time somewhere else, potentially in Europe. A lot of different series that are involved. And I'll throw another wild card out there. James Hinchcliffe. And if you're looking at someone that Honda might say, hmm, this is something that's interesting, maybe they would allocate an extra engine for James Hinchcliffe. So I thought today, do I want to text Hinch and ask him what his interest level is and if I should mention him? And I say, you know what? No, because I'm not going to do his bidding for him. He's a big boy, but but I have what he has said publicly. And he has, I believe we could find this, said that he would be open to doing the Indy 500 again in the right circumstances. And we have not spoken specifically about this, but I know him and I know all race car drivers well enough that if they felt there was a situation to be competitive in the race and they weren't paying for it out of their pockets, they would do it. Now, do I think it's super likely because of the aforementioned reasons and not many seats available and drivers like Simon Pagano, Takuma Sato, Ryan Hunter Ray, Connor Daly available? I think it's going to be a difficult spot, but he has obviously had great familiarity with uh, Andretti Autosport. What if they wanted to run a fifth car? I would think you could put something together commercially for James Hinchcliffe. So I am not telling you this is likely to happen or is going to happen at all. It's just one of those that I would give a teeny tiny chance of happening. I know this, if I had a seat open, um, what if Connor Daly goes to Ray Hall Letterman or Ryan Hunter Ray does and Ryan Reinbold has a seat open and they want to somewhat hire someone. James Hinchcliffe is high on my list. Yep. If in And if you have a sponsor that you want to get attention, how about hiring someone that's on the broadcast? <laughs> that That's guaranteed attention right there. So I hope people don't say this like, oh, Kevin knows that Hinch is going to be in He's not. He's not going to be announced. I, I'm not aware of anything that is percolating on that front. I'm just saying common sense paired with what he has said publicly that I would be open to considering something in the right circumstance. I don't think I'm not even going to name the team, but there are some teams out there. I don't think Hinch is driving for them. I think there are only a couple of teams that are possibilities. You know, Ganassi's not running a six. Penske's not running a fourth. Those are all no brainers. 
Um, but there are only a couple of options, and I think there is a line for those. So there's what I know. And there's what I don't know, but what I'm thinking. All right, I like coming it. up in hour number two, let's talk Argentina. And what's the latest news about an exhibition race there? And more coming up on Trackside. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Elikas Nevis, and you're listening to Trackside. Hour number two, even though we're already into hour number two, thanks for staying with us on Trackside. 93.5107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Elijah Robertson is in our studios. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Tuesday night next week. I hope we didn't surprise everyone. Good thing is, it's there for the podcast. So if we jump the gun and you were expecting Tuesday, and here we are on a Monday, that's what the podcast is for. We're back on Tuesday next week, and then I think it's TBD again, in part because of the NBA in-season tournaments. I don't believe the Pacers' schedule, because it's going well for them in the in-season tournament. I don't think it's solidified in early December, last I heard. Um, So you'll have to check your local listings on that. News, Kurt, one thing I saw, this was from Joey Barnes. Is Joey in motorsport now? Uh, Joey, <laughs> I should know this, but yes, that, that is where Joey's at. Okay. Cause, cause he had the story. He had quotes from Mark miles on there. Uh, he posted this sometime over the weekend, a non points exhibition race for IndyCar in Argentina for next year is becoming a growing possibility. Um, uh, let's see, let's skip it through Mark miles. Yeah. It told motorsport. There it is. Told motorsport.com. Well, it's all in good shape. Their presidential election, the runoff is Sunday. Uh, That's already happened. That made the news. Apparently, the person who won is being compared to Donald Trump. I will make no other comment there. Um, I think what Mark said, though, the result. Yeah, Mark said the results of the election shouldn't be good or bad determinative as to whether or not, in fact, we can pull this off. Um, But the fact that he mentioned that. I don't know. So I don't know whether that was good or bad for this. Mark continued to say we did, however, want to just not hit pause because the work's being done to get through the presidential election and then see if we can wrap things up. I think we've said for a while now, probably in January, the plan remains in place to keep the event as a non-points round at the conclusion of the season. Yes, it would be in early October. It would be a postseason, post-championship event. We know the facilities. We know the public entities that would be supporting it. We know the team that would be assembled to promote it. They've got a great track record, especially with MotoGP. I think it will be a very, very stellar, very robust event for us if we do it. So there's the quote from Mark. And Joey writes, all signs point to the venue being Autodroma Termas de Rio Hondo. It's been a long time since I um, took Spanish classes. (laughs) 
So I'm not <laughs> even longer, even longer for me. Yeah. Uh, in the province of Santiago del Estero, Dorna Sports that runs the circuit. I think it says they they are not affiliated. And, uh, you know, Ricardo Juncos and some other groups are affiliated. So there's what we know on that. Seems like that still has a, a chance of happening. And you know what my response always is? Some racing is better than no racing. I will be happy to either watch or hopefully attend and be a part of the broadcast. So I get it. This one, you know, you can debate whether something in the spring should be in points and we can figure that out. I get why that's not a points race. I think I get even more for this one. I don't think you want to run your championship in another country. Agreed. And everybody feels that way as well. So uh, while you're looking at your next item of business, I will point out that while you were in the first hour talking about uh, Cubs bandwagon jumpers that you're wearing your Cub shirt in the middle of November. So, well, I believe I qualify. Yeah. I believe I, I qualify as a lifelonger uh, <laughs> that, that, that will never be, qual- although I admit I don't pay as attention as much as I used to. And for those that don't like the five or six bucks a month for Peacock, I did 20 bucks a month for the marquee network and one month in, I said, you know what? I don't have enough time. 20 bucks is too much for one channel, for one program. I have nothing else. Not even reruns of The Office, which makes Peacock worth it to me. There are a lot yeah. of other things on Peacock. <laughs> there are a lot of other sports on Peacock. Um, this, I think, is going to be good for the IndyCar business. I just saw a thing they they announced who's announcing the NFL games on Peacock. There is a regular season game on Peacock, I think maybe the 23rd. And what NBC is doing, they have two games that day. They have a game on NBC in the afternoon, and then they have a game on Peacock at night. They are putting the A-team, Tariko and Collinsworth, on the Peacock game. And putting their college crew, Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge, on the NFL game in the afternoon. And then that game is basically going to be a promotion. Hey, if you want to watch the other NFL game tonight, you can sign up right now. Basically, you can pay six bucks and you can watch that game. Or if you're like me, there are always discounts out there. And you can find a little bit of a deal. Not employee discounts. Follow Indy 44. He sees them. When he posts them, I always sign up. I think I got one. This year was 20 bucks for the year. Something like that. It's 20 bucks. We love some Indy 44. Yeah, I went off on a little bit of a tangent uh, there. Oh, I wanted to do... So that's what we know uh, about what's happening in Argentina. So we hope to hear some good news on that front. Uh, Chris, Mr. CMB99, we touched on this. He said tickets for Milwaukee are selling like hotcakes, the top five rows in each section. We're gone by 11 a.m. today. I hope this is a sign, a good sign of things to come. Me too. We all agree on that. Courtney says reading and watching, and she put this, I think she sent this maybe on Friday, reading and watching all the TikToks on the fiasco called an F1 race practice in Vegas. Would never see fans escorted out by cops in an IndyCar race practice or to NASCAR practice. If both IndyCar and NASCAR were smart, they would use this fiasco to their advantage, offer free passes to a race for fans that were kicked out of their seats they paid for, or free pit passes and discounted race day seats. Yeah, maybe. 
if you can, if you can find who those people are, that that is not a bad idea. I read something today that the only people that were given the two hundred dollar um, merchandise merchandise were Thursday only ticket holders, and I think those ended up what they thought were mostly locals. Um, but yeah, give it a go, give it a go. But then again. That costs you money. Somebody's got to pay for that. So I'm not smart enough to figure out how that works, but look for opportunity. Daniel Kudmore asks, is it not odd that Andretti run Honda in IndyCar, but are signed up to run GM and F1 where Honda is an option? Could this lead to Andretti IndyCar moving to Chevrolet in the future, sticking with the GM brand? Question mark. Well, it certainly Good could. question. Fair question. It could, it could lead to change. We've seen changes over the years, uh, teams switching sides. Um, but it's it's not it's not as it's not as likely as you might think because Honda's got a really strong relationship with the team at this point and on the IndyCar side, and we've seen many examples of of organizations being one team with or one manufacturer with one division and quite another with with another. It wasn't like it, it wasn't like Michael was was going to pair up with Toyota to run in in formula one you know that honda and chevy actually work work together on more projects than we realize as consumers uh they're a great example is the hybrid program i mean they're working very closely on that but honda toyota and eh, not so much ganassi penske ray hall yep. are all some of the examples of entities that work with the different engine manufacturers it's difficult to all get it aligned also keep in mind honda was with a pretty good program red bull and then decided to get out honda announced whenever it was two three four years ago they were out of formula one so red bull went ahead and found a new partner it will be i believe i think they're kind of doing their own thing but i believe ford is going to be a partner with Red Bull in a few years. When Red Bull started going really well and F1 started going really well, Honda rethought and said, hmm, this might be something we want to stay involved in. So they lost their place with Red Bull, but I believe they are going to bat, they are going to run Aston Martin in a couple of years. Remember, there was kind of a connection with Fernando Alonso when that came out. Uh, and, and some wonder, hey, is maybe that what Alex Palou's backdrop is could that be a path for him I, I think that's going to be tough by the time that happens because they don't think highly about drivers in their late 20s but you never know but point being there was not an opening honda was already spoken for they either were spoken for not interested or spoken for again whenever this went to conversations and it was oh gm is a possibility and that would be new and the idea was let's get something that really excites Formula One, and yeah, the the owners, the other team principals are all saying we welcome GM, but uh, we don't want to share in the money. So that is all still TBD whether that's going to happen uh, in the future for Andretti Global. All right, speaking of F one, let's get some perspective from someone who was there and can probably speak to a lot of other things. Kurt had a chance to talk with Jeff Gluck from The Athletic this afternoon. That's coming up next, and we'll wrap up the show with what we missed before we're done. It's Trackside 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. 
Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Rians VK, and you're listening to Trackside. Welcome back to Trackside on a very overcast and chilly evening in Indianapolis. I'm Kurt Cavan. Kevin Lee will be back with us here in a little bit. We talked earlier about the Formula One race in Las Vegas, back for the first time in many, many years. One of our good friends, Jeff Gluck from The Athletic, was on site. I was going to say you were there working uh, with a credential and getting to see things up close. But I read in your athletic story, one of the great things I always wanted to do was just to see a venue as if you didn't have a credential. You could just kind of wander around, see what the vantage points were, see what it's like for, you know, just a, a fan. Uh, an interesting weekend for you, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have a credential probably, uh, but the <laughs> FAI... The FIA limits those, uh, as, as you know, from past experience, they can be a little bit stingy. So we obviously have a couple excellent F1 writers at The Athletic who um, are going to be in there. And then it, it was a toss up between myself and my coworker, Jordan Bianchi, is, who is the other one. And I said, you know what, I, I actually don't mind the idea of just sort of roaming the, the city and seeing the spectacle, especially F1 this year. I mean, the championship's been decided for like... <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was probably decided like in May, but uh, it's been technically decided for probably a month and a half now or whatever. So I thought I, I, I would I wouldn't mind writing about everything but the racing for this Las Vegas race. So I, I wasn't sure what the week was going to hold. But and I honestly I really legitimately thought, am I coming here? And I'm not going to see a car for the entire time. Are they going to have everything blocked? I'm not going to get in anywhere. Um, but I saw, you know, they they. they I guess I realized with the street circuit, once again, it hit home, just like it would be with, you know, Long Beach or something. I mean, they can't block every angle of people trying to peek in if people wanted to catch a glimpse, at least. Um, and so Vegas in particular, there's plenty of places where you could see the cars. And um, and I, got, I was able to get a couple of media tour type invites into places as well to, to check out what they had going on. So I it was a it was a very interesting experience. So, yeah, in Long Beach. You know, different, I guess, in a lot of those street circuits, they're not really built for hospitality, meaning, you know, you've got condos and apartment complexes along the street line. In this case, you've got facilities that are hospitality based. I guess the same will be true when IndyCar goes to Nashville this year and races downtown uh, or at least comes down there in the main part of the of uh, the city and so, yeah, I think that was interesting from a vantage point. Could you see them like coming and going in some spots or was it just the straight on view and the car going by so fast? You knew it was car, obviously, but did you have much lead time and follow time to watch cars? Well, you know, obviously like the strip, I mean, 
they're just streaking by, right? And it's just like wow, wow, wow. Um, but you know, when you could you could also get down to the to the areas where they would come onto the strip and turn off the strip. And so um there was this great I think they tried to block it more the last day when they realized people more and more people were gathering there. But there was the, there's the CVS on the corner of like Spring Mountain and the strip where um, you know, for people that have been there, they're coming off sands past the convention center between the wind and the Venetian. And then they turn onto the strip and go South. And so you could see them coming at you and make that turn. I think that's, that's the turn where Lando Norris ended up uh, going through and crashing. Um, and there was a, a bunch of people there, like, I guess maybe because it wasn't, you know, a casino property so much that the CVS wasn't as concerned about, you know, people gathering there. And so that was a great angle. And then, you know, down, at, past the Cosmo when they would turn back onto the chicane at the end of the strip and get on the brakes pretty hard. Um, you could, you could see them coming there as well a little bit. So, um, that was, you know, I, I didn't try to go some of the areas where, you know, like the, the sphere zone and stuff like that, those were ticketed areas. Um, I wasn't going to be able to, you know, sort of sneak my way into there, but, um, you know, sort of the public, any, any place that was a public road, Yes, they were trying to, to block it and shield it. But I mean, I, th I thought one of the best life hacks was people, you know, there's all these pedestrian bridges in Vegas and there's escalators going up and down. And so you could ride the escalators over and over again. And and once you got up above the fence line on the escalator, you could see perfectly over the fence at the cars. And, you know, you could, the, the security, you know, you had to keep moving. You couldn't stand on the bridge, but they're not going to stop you from going up and down the escalator. It's, it's a moving thing. So you could just go, it was like a loop, you know, just up, down, up, down, but you, you didn't, you didn't, it was a lottery of seeing who's going to come by, but you could see him. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the escalator. I read that in your piece, Jeff Gluck from the athletic joins us. So I saw the estimated attendance and I'm, as you might recall, pretty adept in uh, understanding attendance and how those things come together, having counted all the seats at Indianapolis Motor Speedway years ago. But they announced 315,000 people. I do a little math. A road course or a street circuit of 3.5 miles means you've pretty well got 87,000 people per mile of racetrack. And every tenth of a mile, nearly 9,000 people. Does 315,000 sound like uh, a really big number to you? It's a good question because I I would like to know what, what went into that number because there was so many like, okay, you've got, you've got the main grandstands, right? Which, which that, that was like the most sizable number of people, right? Like the, all along the front stretch. And then they have these grandstands all sort of like turn two and three. And then they had all this huge line of suites, um, all along sort of like the, the first big straightaway to the sphere. Um, and so like, you know, but some of those are not, I don't know if those were the tracks suites or they're counting those as their own. Um, and then you had this sphere zone, which was their big general admission area and grandstands. Um, but then the track would go for, go away for a while from, you know, down sands, there was nobody there. Um, so that, that would like lower that number you would think. And then, you know, on the strip, there was stands in front of the Mirage, there were stands in front of the Bellagio, but there wasn't stands all the way down there as well. So I, I would definitely be curious to see how they would have arrived at that. Um, are they estimating the people that were in places like Club SI 
and sort of overlooking, which took over, which is really the Rainforest Cafe, by the way, but rebranded as Club SI. <laughs> um, you know, is, does that count for the attendance? Or are they are they estimating the people that were on their their hotel room balconies in the Cosmo that you could overlook the strip? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they thought that was how many people were in the around the venue at the time. I I it's it was tough because you really never got a sense of the whole circuit because it was so spread out and big, you know? Yeah. It covers such a large area of the city, really. Uh, not just the strip. In fact, the strip was pretty long. What did you think about, and there was a lot of consternation about the start times. Let's take Thursday out of the equation because, you know, they did have a street course issue to start Thursday's practice. And those things happen at, at street circuits. Every new street circuit will have something. Shoot, IndyCar raced over a railroad track a couple of times uh, that they had issues with in Baltimore and and uh, in California. So you're going to have those uh, from time to time. And I understand. So let's take Thursday out of the equation. What did you think about? Let's just talk Saturday race day, 10 o'clock local time. It was obviously done for Europe in mind. What did you think about it being on site and the temperature as it relates to the time? Well, I thought, honestly, I'll start with the temperature because I think they actually got pretty lucky. Um, it was pretty much, I think it was pretty close to 50, uh, which is about as warm as you're going to get at that time of the year at night in Vegas. Um, you know, I've been there for NASCAR banquets in the past and, you know, it's like, low forties, if not, I mean, one year we had snow flurries and stuff there. So I actually think that was about as warm as it was going to get for them. Um, they could definitely stand to move the start time up. And I think even the drivers, everybody were like, look, we know it's supposed to be for Europe and 6am in Europe, but how about, you know, 8pm? I mean, it's still for Like we get up, we get up for English premier league soccer here pretty early. And if they're going to wake up at 6am to watch a race anyway, what's 4am difference in, in London or something, you know? So, and I think that would be better for everybody too, time change wise, because, you know, a lot of the drivers seemed concerned from, from what I was hearing and reading about how like, like next week they're going to Abu Dhabi. And so now they have to readjust their body clocks again. Um, and next year, uh, sorry, next week they're going to Abu Dhabi next year. They're doing a triple header with, um, Qatar and then Abu Dhabi after Las Vegas. And so that's going to be, it's too much traveling across the world for those people and the locals as well. So if it doesn't work for everybody or anybody, <laughs> what's the purpose of doing this 10 PM start time and you lose the whole American East coast audience. Right. So, or a lot of it. So I think it could definitely be adjusted. So with my DVR, I was, a. Uh... I was an 8 a.m. just like I normally am on a nice Sunday uh, presentation of F1. It's uh, I would think I don't know how much of Europe has DVRs, but th uh, these days in our world, you know, you click on YouTube TV and it doesn't really matter what time the race was. You, you can watch it live. You stay off social media. Jeff Glick, uh, Glick, Jeff Gluck of uh, The Athletic. I'm sorry, I do uh, know who you are. I've known you for a long time. Uh, well, tell me about you know, relative to the, maybe not the shows, there's always entertainment going on in Vegas. How much extra was there? And relative to that, did it feel like a big deal from a show standpoint or was it just musical acts going around? So what was interesting to me was the typical Vegas stuff, like all those residencies, you know, Katy Perry or whoever, most of the shows were dark. I would walk through 
um, a lot of the casinos and it would say like Cirque du Soleil due to race week, special, special time, 2 PM. And they wouldn't have any shows at night at all. Um, I think for them, they just thought we're just going to get out of the way. And so that left the entertainment part of it to like the parties around the city, which every single conceivable brand and team and whatever was trying to like outdo each other with it. Um, these, these epic parties, like going to another level. Um, one team would have a, a livery unveil here. Like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to do this. And then, you know, you'd see Red Bull did their, their, did their liver livery run veil at the uh, Omnia at Caesar's palace. And they had their car drop down from the ceiling over the nightclub to, to unveil it, uh, their, their special scheme. Um, you know, it, it was, it was just like, Oh, it was like so over the top and, and gaudy and ostentatious, but they were like proud of that. Like, it wasn't like, this is too much guys. This are, are we doing a little bit too much here? They were like, no, let's do even more. Let's make it even crazier. It was like, and I think it was annoying some of the Europeans because, you know, they already have this idea of like Americans as being like, and loud and the, just too crazy and, and getting away from the, the sporting part of things at times. And, and this was like in your face, just in insane stuff. Um, but it really felt like from the opening ceremonies to right up to the end, the closing ceremonies and everything, um, it was just like the most, you know, it was like, I, you know, I've never done acid, obviously, but I assume that, that that's what people say. Oh, it's like, no, you're on acid or something. It's just like your, your mind is like melting from all the, the stuff they're trying to throw in your face. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah. And I like the light. I guess I shouldn't have, I should have uh, not been surprised, but the light show that you, you see in Vegas was was seemingly at another level too. I thought the sphere. I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. I thought the sphere was going to be a nuisance, or maybe a distraction is a better word. I thought it would be because at times, you know, with all this, you know, the the eyes rolling and and the yellow. And I know Formula One took over the sphere, and so very, you know, very much was was branded as as appropriately as possible. I thought it would be just kind of a distraction from a television standpoint. It didn't seem like that. What sense did you get about that? Well, you know, it's weird because they had said before the race, Hey, we're, we're going to make sure that we don't use any yellow or red on it um, during the race to, to possibly distract drivers or, or have them catch, you know, a glimpse of some uh, of one of those colors out of their eyes and think that it's a caution or a red flag. Um, and, but I really thought that, during the race, I was seeing those, that kind of stuff. And, um, it was interesting listening. I think it was Martin Brundle who was talking on the broadcast about how he had taken, uh, um, he had taken a ride and done a couple laps and you get so focused on the track that you actually don't even see the sphere because that, that area is a chicane anyway. And it's probably like, you know, the only technical part of the track really, or one of the only technical parts of the track. And it, it, I guess maybe they're just so focused on it and the walls and the fencing that they aren't actually seeing the colors um but it seemed like the sphere everybody thought it was kind of like a, a charming little uh fun thing rather than yeah this is too much um you know they there's usually this like emoji that appears on the sphere and looks around and makes judgments with its face and this time it was wearing like a race helmet and it would sort of move its eyes like it was watching the cars and look down <laughs> um and you know i thought i to me that was kind of that was kind of cool. Like I, I thought that's, that's a, that's a pretty creative way to do it. 
I assume that's the first time you'd actually seen the sphere because it's it is very cool, although it doesn't dominate the skyline the way I think I expected from the photographs I'd seen on social media. It's an amazing piece of of architecture to put that together. I really wanted to go inside and but, you know, like you, too, that was doing the concerts there. They left town uh, before F1 got there. So um, hopefully someday because people people say it's pretty awesome. Yes. I was when I was there the other day, offered the chance to go for seven hundred and fifty dollars a person, and there were three others with me. So a three grand ticket was not uh, really what I thought I should uh, invest in. Uh, Jeff Gluck joins us from the Athletic. I want to get to a couple other things. I've not had a chance to talk to you. One, I guess, let's start with Kyle Larson running the Indy Five Hundred. What kind of uh, kind of reaction did did those in the cup paddock because you're you spend most of your time in the cup paddock what kind of reaction across nascar has that generated and and what do you think the excitement will be for for may when that happens i think a lot of the drivers are very curious and excited to see what he's going to do i don't really think you know like maybe aside from kyle bush or somebody like that i don't really think there's too much man i wish i was doing that but they're very curious to see what what kyle's going to do because they just think his talent like we all do is otherworldly and generational right and um i i really think larson's ability to just get up to speed quickly and grasp what he's doing you know it was like coming into that rop i was actually like is he going to be able to pull this off like this is you know he he can do all this stuff but like this is a completely different type of car you know you've you know, the, the steering wheel is foreign to you. The, the terminology is foreign. Um, he hasn't really, you know, gotten to do any any on-track stuff with it. And, you know, I thought he was very smooth and methodical with it. And it seemed like everything went totally as planned. And then I was like, yeah, I mean, it is Kyle Larson. Like, I just think he he just has this sort of innate ability to just understand the feel and what he needs and how hard to push it. Um you know, just, he just has, a, it's a, it's a gift really. Right. And so it's sort of like, how can he use that gift? And and I think it's really going to come down to next year. It's, it's going to come down to things like pit stops and understanding the, what adjustments he needs during to make during the race. Cause I don't think his speed's going to be a problem. I think it's, he's actually going to be pretty fast probably. And obviously he's with a great team and he's going to have great mentors and stuff, but I just think like he's he's going to have a shot, but it, it's going to be whether he can do the little things um, to sort of stay up there or, or get himself to the front if he gets stuck in traffic. Um, but it's it's going to be really interesting because it, it's it's different than like Kurt Busch, right? Because it was like Kurt Busch is, hey, like he, he's a stock car guy and, and he did great. But, um, you know, what what can he do? But, but Larson, I mean, with with all the open wheel dirt stuff he runs, I feel like there's that much more of a connection to Indy cars or at least the, the sort of historic path there. So I'm very curious. I, I really think he's going to have, he's going to treat it with respect. He's going to say the right things um, and he's going to feel the awe of it. And, but I don't think he's going to be, you know, rattled by any of it. And um, I think that's, that's what you need to do. Cause if you go, go into Indy and you're like, well, oh, okay, this is, this is a lot for me. This is too much. Then that's where it, bites you it feels like yeah. yeah there was a reset for kurt bush uh when he hit the wall he hit the wall in practice and i think that kind of reset him a little bit took him a couple of days to kind of get back into the to the groove and then i think he was better for if you can actually say this he was better for the moment in race day 
having been through it once or having experienced the limit uh, to know what, you know, oh crap feels like. And, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know what the expectation should be, but I wondered if there was anybody else aside from Kyle Bush that you thought might be interested. I think, you know, certainly Austin Cedric comes to mind uh, that I think if he wants to do it at some point, he could do a one-off. Obviously he's got the inside path to, to making that happen with team Penske, but is there anybody else that you think could do Christopher Bell maybe? I think Christopher Bell would be great when he gets to the point in his career that he's allowed to do more again because they've really dialed back his dirt racing, but he's definitely got that natural connection. Um, and I, I mean, Cindric obviously like that, th- that is a great one is you're right. I think the problem is right now you have a lot of the older guys who have sort of like reached the point in their career where, you know, they're not going to take too many chances or risks and, you know, the younger guys aren't really established enough yet to be able to, to go to their team owners and demand and say, I want to go try this. I want to do this. Give me a shot at this. Larson has earned that right because he's proven not only that he can, you know, win races and, and win a championship, but he's proven that he can race a hundred times a year and it does not take away from what he's doing. So if you're a team owner, then you go, okay, well, I'll let you go do the Indy 500. Actually, I think it'd be fine because it, it won't, we know you'll you'll show up in Charlotte and still be fast. Um, and it's not going to take away from what you're doing on the cup side. So if you can get some of these younger guys more established, um, you know, maybe there's that interest there. But I also think there's look, I mean, the stock car guys are are have a have a comfort level um that open wheel doesn't really have, where that, that roof and you know, all that stuff that 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 is a you know, it's it's comforting, right? Like if you flip if all this stuff happened, you mean you see the terrible, terrible violent crashes all the time and nothing seems to happen. I think they feel sort of indestructible where they see the open wheel stuff. They're like, Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's an extra step. I mean, that those guys have, you know, some serious bravery there. So, um, you know, it depends who thinks that they, they can handle it. Um, I think that's why Larson's sort of the perfect guy for this at this moment. Yeah. I, w- I also wonder if, if, and this is a different conversation, perhaps, but if if Rick Hendricks' participation maybe changes the outlook. Now, Hendricks' organization is as big and as successful as they come, but Mr. Hendrick had not been one I would have thought would have wanted to come participate as as kind of a you know a side hustle, so to speak. But he's he seems genuinely interested in this and, and excited about it. I think so, and I think that he just realizes that. You know, when when you're able to do the double and brand it a certain way, like they're going to be able to like Hendrick 1100 or whatever they're calling it. Um, and he's going to be, there's going to be so much synergy there um, between the races. It's going to get talked about. It's, it's sort of, you're, you know, you're not just doubling your attention for doing two different races, but one of those races happens to be the Indy 500. So it's, it's like a monumental amount of attention on top of, you know, what Larson normally does. And I just think from his point as a businessman, he's like, this is great. And he's not really worried because he's just, again, I think Larson has, has established himself to the point where you're like, yeah, I'll let him go do his thing. He's, he's just this otherworldly talent and, and generational again. And, and I just think what, how, how far can this guy go? Especially if he, especially if he runs well and, and has a chance to win that only enhances his brain on the cup side for Hendrick, right? Because it's like, wow, now look, okay, 
now not only have you done all this other stuff in dirt, you went over to the, the Indy 500 and you had a shot at the win or something like, wow, that's a whole different, whole different planet. So um, what, what can't this guy do? Can, can he go test an F1 car or something like that? You know, I think he's still young enough. Like how, how far can this go for him to be this generation's Andretti or Foyd? Last thing I wanted to ask you about quickly, kind of running out of time, but this has been fun. Uh, going back to the oval at Indy on the cup side, is it, does it generate enough enthusiasm, uh, enough energy in your opinion? Well, I, I am not sure how the fans will react if they'll show up in bigger numbers. I mean, I hope they do, but I can tell you immediately from the cup garage side, it was like, thank goodness. Yes. Right. Like, because, you know, and, and it started to get louder and louder with the drivers being like this, we don't need to be on the road course first of all. And this is not a major, I mean, I remember when they first went to the road course, there was some NASCAR people that were really trying to tell me, no, this is still going to be a major, like the Brickyard 400, just because it's an Indy. And I was like, no, it's, I, I don't see that at all. Um, it's the road course. It's just not the same prestige. Sorry. The ovals where it's at. Um, and I think that the drivers stopped viewing it as, I mean, it, it sort of took away NASCAR's fourth major altogether. People were like, well, now what's the fourth major? Is it the Bristol night race? People are like, no, there, there just isn't one. You can't just say, all right, magically we've, we've found this replacement. The, the things are majors because of the, the history and the sense of how much it means to the drivers and the teams, right? Like when they go all out for it. So I think the Brickyard 400 truly being back in that sense and joining the Southern 500 and Daytona 500 and Coke 600, like that, that heals things a little bit. Um, and I think you're going to see the the driver enthusiasm at, at, at the very minimum go way up, or especially for one to win that race because they they know that's a that's a big one. That's good, Jeff Gluck from the Athletic. Uh, I hope you're able to kind of regroup after a week in Vegas. There are tougher assignments than that, but a couple nights in Vegas is about enough for me. So. Uh, maybe it's good to be back home. I was ready to go home. I was ready to go home probably a, a few days before that. I mean, don't get me wrong. The race was exciting. The city had a good vibe, but like I probably got about 15 nights of sleep over like five nights or something or 15 <laughs> hours of sleep over five nights. See, my brain's still fried. So, uh, I, you know, just the sleep alone will be helpful. That was a weird schedule. Yep. All right. We'll be back here in just a minute. Jeff Gluck, thanks for uh, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. And uh, we will see you probably, I'm not sure where, but it will be in a few months. We'll be back in uh, racing form at some point. We'll be back. Kevin will be back to join us here in just a minute. 93.5107.5, The Fan. This is Trackside. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. (laughs) 
Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hi, this is Kyle Kirkwood, and you're listening to Trackside. Final segment, what we missed, and some things that have come in this evening. Adam Stern of Sports Business Journal writes something about the new uh, NASCAR media rights deal. Remember, that was supposed to be done this past summer. It's not. I'm not sure how much negotiating is going on regarding the next IndyCar TV contract until NASCAR is done. Here's what Adam writes, uh, that the 10-year deal is up. Oh, after 24, it's expected, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, that Fox and NBC continue, but there's going to be another package in the middle. And the new information here, which I've also heard, too, is that it may be split up even more. There could be four partners next year. Amazon Prime Video and Turner Sports are said to be in the running for that package, and it's possible they could both end up with a slice. So maybe it's 10 races in the summertime, some fully streaming, some maybe on TNT, They have a streaming service as well, so stay tuned in that department. And we had another Indy Next uh, confirmation today. Callum Hedge, a 20-year-old from New Zealand who won 13 of 18 races in Formula Regional Americas this season, is joining HMD, one of their 8, 9, 10 uh, cars for 2024. All right, we're back next Tuesday night at 7. Thanks for joining us on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.